Good morning, church. The scripture reason is taken from 2 Corinthians 4, reading from verse 5 to 11. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as servants of the Lord's sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifested in our body. For we, eleventh and last, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Aaron's reading, please be seated. I want to use this passage of scripture that was read for us so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5 through to 11 to say to us this morning, don't lose heart because God is working out his will right now in your life. It may not seem that way. Your life may be going through some issues and some struggles, but you should be confident that despite what happens to you, God is with you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 5 to 11. Let me just uh, read it again for you, and then I'll ask you to pray for and with me. Second Corinthians 4, 5 to 11. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be revealed in our body for we who believe we who are alive are always given over to death for jesus sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies 
Our message this morning is captioned, In Christ I rise. In Christ I rise. Would you pray with me and for me? Father, even now we ask that your presence would just fill this place. That you would empty me. That you would allow your loving people to see a little glimpse of you. Father, as we journey in this life, may we continue to trust you and may our joy be simply delighting in fulfilling your will for us, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Life. Life with all of its blessings. Life with all of its joys. Life with all of its awe should never be taken for granted. Yet when life gets difficult, life, life can sometimes have a strange way of giving us the impression that what we are experiencing is so real, so difficult, so earth-shattering, that no one can save us from it. Life can sometimes force us to believe that we can cope with life alone. I suspect if you are a survivor of a tragedy, a broken home, a, a broken career, a broken marriage, a broken life, or experience some kind of loss in your family, you will let me know that what happened to you was so difficult, so catastrophic, that your life has never been the same again. Perhaps the country that you gave up everything for and fought for for so many years now seems to reject you. And life for you seems meaningless. Perhaps you were forced to leave all that you had and flee for your life. Perhaps you suffered some kind of trauma in your life and things don't seem the same way anymore. Perhaps you're still in grief. Perhaps that marriage relationship that you gave up everything for is crumbling before your very eyes. I just want you to know that even in the midst of your suffering, you are not alone. Uh, you, you, you haven't quite got me. <laughs> I didn't say that uh, you would be delivered from your suffering. I said that in the midst of your suffering, you will never be alone. Hmm. Hmm. Suffering 
that life can sometimes throw at us can cause us to change our view of life and of each other. We can take suffering in a negative way and force ourselves outside of the will of God. But if we take suffering in its right context, it has a strange way of helping us refocus our lives. For instance, have you ever noticed how hard it is to to break or, or change a course of behavior? And yet how permanent that change is when it involves personal suffering. <laughs> when I was a boy, my mother found herself frustrated because I had this habit of always drinking out the Nestle's milk. No, 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 no. For those of you who don't understand what Nestle's milk is, <laughs> it's, a, it's a small condensed sweetened milk. Uh, that, that, that we used to have as children, and we used to, we used to put it on bread. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm touching home now. <laughs> Some of us, it, it was so sweet that we just, we just used to put it in our hands and lick it from, from our hands. Uh, I, I couldn't be bothered with all that. I just grabbed that milk and I... <laughs> One day, my mother caught me red-handed with that thing. <laughs> And she gave me a beating, (laughs) not so much for me drinking the Nestle's milk, but for my my consistent denial of the fact that I was drinking the Nestle's milk. (laughs) Mm. Let me tell you, I soon found out after the beating that the Nestle's milk didn't taste as sweet (laughs) as it did before the beating. (laughs) So suffering is not always bad. There are some changes in reality that we will only make in our lives once we experience some kind of pain and suffering. It seems to to me that a a great tool for change can be suffering. (laughs) Suffering is not always evil. Hardship and stress has a unique way of bringing out the best out of us. Suffering can help us to to mold our character. Some of us were privileged to to watch the World Championships or or, or the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games or or some athletic meeting. And you will see some runners and some athletes achieve some fantastic feats. Uh, They will do things that you and I will struggle to do. (laughs) Uh, You know, they didn't just do these things overnight. For those of you who are not a company, uh, accustomed to watching this sport, you will under, for most of us will understand that these individuals achieve these feet because of the training that they received, the alt- altitude training, the consistent training. Uh, they call it training. I just call it suffering. Uh, you, if you're a runner, <laughs> then you understand what I mean. <laughs> You don't achieve great pace or great power or great feats because you took it easy each week. You, you achieve these things because you suffered in training. Oh, I, I, hope, I hope I could find one or two runners here. <laughs> if we want to grow our spiritual muscles, if we want to grow and develop our spiritual characters, then we can't just relax each Sabbath on a church bench. 
sometimes some suffering has to come to us to help us realize that we shouldn't be too comfortable where we are. Sometimes some suffering has to take place in our relationships to shake us up a little bit, to realize that we're not giving the best that we can to the people that we say we love. Sometimes the suffering that we go through strips us of our dignity and forces us to understand that, hey, we must go through some things. Then, I'm sure, if we go through this kind of suffering, this kind of change, then we, our feeble faith can have the ability to grow because of the suffering, or it can fade away because of the suffering. I would like to suggest to you that it is good for us to trust God in the difficult moments of life that we go through, as well as in the blissful experiences that we have. You see, it's so easy to trust God when things are going good, but it's difficult to trust God when we're going through a crisis. It's easy to trust God when our pockets are full, but can we trust God when we are broke and the rent is due. It's easy to trust God when we are doing well at school and getting some good grades, but can we trust him when we struggle with a subject that we think that the teacher doesn't like us in? It's easy to trust God when we are young and in love, but can we trust God when we are now older and that love to the one that we said I do to, it doesn't treat us the same way anymore. Can we trust God then? Can you trust God when life gets difficult and it appears that God does not answer you anymore? Can you trust God when tragedy strikes and the doctor says, that there is nothing more that you can do? Can you trust God when in the midst of your pain, he sometimes seems silent? Can you trust God when life is turned upside down and you seem like you're left alone to face the consequences? Scripture shows us that Paul understood something of what we're going through. And he helps us to put suffering in its right context. He gives us a few things to consider when we go through suffering. These things should help us uh, to, re to rise through, though, through, as we go through suffering and realize that cer suffering certainly has a way of changing us. Firstly, Paul says to us, we should not fear suffering because God is with us. He dispels the notion that we suffer in life alone. God is always with us. When the Lord saved Paul, Paul was cut off from his family, ridiculed by those who he once trusted, rejected initially by those who he sought to encourage, Yet in his moments of despair, 
when life knocked him down, Paul did not curl up in a corner and hide. Paul went boldly before the world with the word of God. He allowed God to shine through his heart. For Paul, he had a vision that if Christ was the focus of his life, then everything would be all right. You see, friends, whatever situation you are facing right now, if God is with you, you will make it. He will never forsake you. Things may not work out the way you want or the way you planned or the way you hoped, but God is with you. <laughs> so first of all, Paul says to us, we should not fear suffering because God is with us. <laughs> Secondly, Paul reminds us, we are all affected by life's suffering. Paul in 2 Corinthians was trying to give his believers a new perspective on how to cope with suffering. It was a difficult time for the church there in Corinth. Their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had just died. The disciples had been scattered about the place. All that had been left was the promise of his soon return. But the years had gone by, and Jesus still had not come. Now, they themselves, uh, they faced the reality of persecution. There are some things that the church will never do until it faces the reality of persecution. All right, you, you're very quiet here. There are some people in this church who will never stand up and proclaim the love that Jesus Christ has for them until they are forced to do so. All right. The church in Paul's day was falling apart. Brothers and sisters were fighting each other. Their culture was being eroded by the environment that they now found themselves in. The Jewish Christians, uh, they were forcing the Gentiles to perform some religious rites, and they were challenging Paul's authority as an apostle. Hey, listen, the pastor was being persecuted. The church was in crisis, and the right wing of the church was winning. And in every direction that the apostle Paul looked, he saw turmoil on every side. Has trouble ever come at you like a flood? Have you escaped one disaster only to be landed in a fresh one? Have you survived the hurricane only to be destroyed by a broken marriage? Have you fled persecution only to be abused at work? Is your faith in this church dying? Have you come to this place of refuge to find rejection? Have you got to this country because of your parents? <laughs> Only to face deportation. Paul says it well. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be re revealed in our body. Most of the people I know 
are under some serious pressure. If the pay cap isn't hurting you, then the reality of Brexit is beginning to change your mind. If uh, you're not facing the problems of Brexit, then you, you might feel some relational stress in your life. If your work colleagues aren't treating you right, maybe your home, in your home, there's some contention there. Everyone I know faces some sort of suffering. The issue to the Christian is how do you cope with your suffering? The Christian is not exempt from suffering. Somebody said God causes the rain to fall on the, the just and on the unjust. So, so you ain't going to escape everything that goes out there. There are some things in life that will just happen to you. Okay, Kerry, I, I thought you wanted more of a theological background. Uh, no, no, there's some things that we go through simply because of life. <laughs> Don't blame God for what we go through. Don't put him there. He sometimes sees these things coming. But sometimes the choices we make it forces us to put ourselves in a situation where we suffer. Oh, you, you're, you're not hearing me. You're very quiet. The Christian biggest challenge is not the fact that suffering will come, because it must come. We're in a sinful world. The Christian's biggest challenge is how does he cope with his suffering? Does his suffering destroy his faith? Or does his faith, is his faith still being built despite his suffering? Two men looked out of a prison cell. One saw walls, bars, mud. The other saw sun, moon, and stars. It is not our experience that hinders our Christianity. It is our focus. Paul says, I am content in whatever situation that I find myself in. For first of all, Paul says to us, we should not fear suffering because God is with us. Secondly, Paul says to us, we are all, we, we, we are all affected by life's suffering. Thirdly, Paul says to us, we can face life's trials because God is in us. Paul, in an effort to give his members a reason to rejoice, he used the suffering he experienced to inspire his members, as if to say, I went through hardship just like you. But yet still, I rise. Three times in 2 Corinthians, Paul lays out a list of his sufferings, and he says to his fellow believers, by the grace of God, we shall rise. <laughs> on, the, on this, his first attempt to encourage his early believers in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 to 18, 
Uh, Paul talks about how God delights in using frail earthly bodies who are prone to sin, uh, destruction. And he says to them in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, that God has put precious things in earthen vessels. Paul is speaking of the treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ being in earthen vessels, feeble jars, pottery, baked clay. <laughs> I uh, did some research on uh, this thing called clay. And uh, after a few hours of searching the, the, the books, I came to this profound conclusion that clay, whether it's shipped from uh, Jamaica to uh, somewhere in Europe to process, is really another word for expensive mud. The clay pots of Paul's days were inexpensive, breakable, and really only served to hold treasure. But that's how they were designed. This contrast between the treasure and the clay pot is a purposeful one. God has so designed things that the glory goes to him. You see, in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says it like this. It is God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts. What, what, what light is Paul referring to? The light that he's referring to is the, the light of Jesus Christ shining in our hearts. The good news for us is that despite who we are and despite what we have done and despite what we have been through, there is a God who loves us so much that he has decided to put himself inside of us and shine through us despite the mess that we find ourselves in. Uh, I hope one or two more people would say amen. The, the very God of heaven is inside of us. Don't let nobody put you down. Don't let no memory of your past haunt you. God is still doing something inside of you. God is still doing something inside this lump of clay. We may not have achieved everything God wants us to achieve, but the important thing is that he is in us. Paul is really saying to, our, to the believers that it is God who puts himself in us, inside our bodies, so we can achieve glorious things. Friends, we do not suffer in this life alone. I don't know what situation you're facing right now. I don't know what experiences you've had to run through. You may be broken by the things that you have faced. You might be rejected by those who said they love you. 
God has something valuable inside of you. I think God sees his own reflection in you. <laughs> Look at the person beside you, could you? Look at the person beside you. Just wake them up a little bit. <laughs> Look them good in the eyes. Come on, look them in the eyes. <laughs> they may not be perfect. But guess what? Neither are you. They may not be fully reflecting the image of God. But guess what? Neither are you. They still may have some growing to do. But guess what? So do you. <laughs> Every time I think about the reality that we are who we are because Jesus is inside of us, changing us, it makes me realize how frail and feeble I am. I'm just like that broken pottery. My value is found not in the external things. My value is found in the fact that Jesus Christ is living inside of me. Yes, we are frail and subject to sin. But God has already ensured that the victory is ours. How do I know? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. He has made his light to shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God. Listen, friends. God put himself inside of us. Not just his spirit, but himself. What an awesome God we serve. How many people do you know that constantly stretches out their hand to you to help you even though they know the kind of person that you really are. When you understand that, you'll begin to understand the awesome love of God that keeps coming after us, even though we mess him up. You know, that's why I think we should always sing that song as a prayer. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I am, thou art the potter. I am just a lump of inexpensive clay, mud. Mold me, make after thy will. While I am waiting, maybe, maybe that's what we should be doing. When issues come to us that we can't cope with, Maybe we should be waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ to heal us. First of all, Paul says to us, we are all, we should not fear suffering because God is with us. Secondly, Paul reminds us that we are all affected by life's suffering. Thirdly, Paul says to us, we can face life simply because God is in us. Lastly, Paul says to us, God gets the glory and others are blessed. When we begin to really live lives as Christians, 
God gets the glory and others are blessed. If we could find a few people who are so convinced that what they're doing is about living out a life, a life of walking in Jesus Christ, then so many people would be attracted to us just because of who we are. We wouldn't have to say too much. Our actions would tell other people that there is something different about us. I wish we could just find a few more people who was more concerned about the glory of God than the present suffering which they experience. I wish we could find a few more people who were so in love with the man Christ Jesus that they just longed to be like him. The concentration camp in Auschwitz was a killing machine in the Second World War. The Germans, they exterminated over three million people. They tried all sorts of things to kill people. Gassing, starvation, diseases. Germ warfare started perhaps in Germany. Shooting, burning. But amidst all this global crisis that this world went through, God always had a people that cared more about God's life than they did about their own life. One man was named Max Emilian Kobo. He was a, a Catholic priest. He, in the 1936s, he supervised a friary where, in Warsaw where he hid some of the Polish Jews. In, 19, in 1941, when the Germans realized the friary was operating, they shut down the friary and they took Maximilian Kobol and his friars and they, they imprisoned them in this place called Auschwitz. Auschwitz was a difficult place to discourage escape. The commandant had said that if one prisoner escapes, then 10 other people will be killed. One day, the camp commandant a man called Fritz screamed one of the fugitives is missing so ten of you will die in his place he was planning to put them in a, a starvation bunker Carl Fritz called all the prisoners out and he lined them up in the middle of the day 
and he went through the ranks to see if he could find 10 individuals who he would put in the starvation bunker. And he started going down the line, you, 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 you. And he got to his 10th individual, a, a, a man called Francisco Guyanichi. When he pointed to Francisca, Francisca screamed out, my wife and my children, what should I do? Just then there was a rumbling in the ranks. And this Catholic priest, Maximilian Kobold, he, he came out of the ranks, took off his hat and said, Commandant, I, I want to give my life in exchange for this man. Commandant realized that they had more use for a young man than they did for the old Maximilian Kobo. So he allowed him to change places with Francis Giannaitis. They threw Maximilian Kobo in the starvation bunker with 10 others and they immediately began to die. After two weeks, six of them had died and only four were left. But they needed the, star the starvation bunker for another set of people that were coming. So they went into the bunkers and they injected carbolic acid into the arms of these men. And in 1941, at the age of 47, Maximilian Kobol died. His body was taken out and dumped. So Maximilian Kobo gave his life to save someone he didn't even know. He died. But one day, when the trumpet of God shall sound, I believe we're going to see Maximilian Kobold again. Well, I'm not here just to tell you about some uh, natural disasters in life that you are challenged with. I'm not just here to tell you about the suffering which you go through. Nor am I here just to tell you about uh, the Maximilian Kobold, the priest of Auschwitz. But I'm really here to tell you a man called Jesus Christ who left his home in glory, took upon the form of a man, came down and, and died, died in my place so that I wouldn't have to die and that I would have the resurrection assurance because he arose from the grave. I don't know what you're going through. But the good news for us this morning is that we serve a living, risen Savior who's not just inside of us trying to work out his will in us, but he's actually preparing a place for us up there. And if we are faithful to him, and when he comes again, he's going to take us home and bring, him, bring us to himself. I don't know if you're a member here, in this church but this morning you've heard the word of God 
and you realize that your life isn't all that it should be. Maybe you realize that you need extra strength this morning. You want to invite Jesus Christ just to take full control of your life. Would you, would you stand with me? That's your plea. That's your commitment to the Lord. You want to allow Jesus Christ to take full control of your life. You can just stand with me. Maybe you're here. And you realize that life hasn't been going the way it should. Your life has dealt you some blows, crushed your spirit, and your faith is waning. This morning you've heard something that has challenged you and has forced you to think again about life. If I'm speaking to you this morning, and you want to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, God, take back control of my life. I want you to come down so we can have special prayer. Am I speaking to you this morning? If you're here, Spirit of God is speaking to you. Thank you, my sister. You're feeling that you need to make a recommitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, my brother. Why don't you come? Come on down. Thank you, my sister. Come on down. We're going to pray with you. I'm going to ask Pastor Boulder if he'd come and pray for you this morning. Perhaps there's somebody here who have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been fighting him. You've been trying to make life on your own. But today you realize that despite the things that are happening to you your, your best move would be to accept Jesus Christ as your personal saviour if I'm speaking to you this morning why don't you come on down thank you my sister come on down come on down we're just going to pray with you if you want to give your names to pastor and the elders please do so so that they can come and pray with you they can encourage you in your walk and your experience with Lord Jesus Christ thank you my sister there's somebody else here who's sitting here. You came church this morning. You didn't expect to come forward and to appeal. But you know things aren't right with you where you are. And you know if you keep on doing what you're doing, someday you won't hear that voice anymore. As the Spirit of God works upon your heart, why don't you come on down to the front? We just want to pray with you this morning. Ask God that he'll take full control of your life. Come on, my sister. Come on, my brother. Father, today you have spoken to your people. There are your children who have come here not knowing that you actually led them here. But you have led them here in an effort to save them. Today they have heard your voice speaking and they have responded. And we give you thanks and praise for that. We thank you for the work of the Spirit of God that continues to move the hearts of men and women. And as the sermon was preached, Lord, the Spirit of God just moved through the benches, talking to people, 
looking at people in their faces and saying, listen, you are the one that he is speaking to. Today, oh God, we thank you for bringing them to the altar. We thank you for the message of salvation. We know that when the message is preached, it shall not return unto you void. For you have promised that the message will draw men and women who are not yet ready and who want to be saved when Jesus comes. And so today, people have come, Lord. I don't know why they have come, but you know. You know what? just what is going on in their hearts today. And I just pray, especially for those who have not yet given their lives to Jesus, that they would recognize that the end is upon us. Lord, there is so much knife crime around. There is so much crime of all kinds of nature. I just pray in a very special way that you would help every young person here, every older one to understand that the end of the world is upon us because you have said that when we see these things, we should look up for our redemption joy at night. There is somebody that the Spirit of God is speaking to today. And Lord, we are glad to know that your Spirit is persistent and would not give people a rest until they would have made it right with the Lord. So Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to trouble hearts out there. Trouble them. Help them to know that they can feel that things are good while they know that things are not good. So speak to them, Lord, and draw them with your cords of love and help them to understand that mercy's gate would, never, would not always stand a job, but there comes a point in time when mercy's gate will be closed. And he that is holy will be holy still. And he that is righteous will be righteous still. But he that is filthy would remain as he is. So as people run, Lord, for cover, help that they would run to Jesus. For in you only we have safety. We thank you, Lord, for the speaker, Pastor Brooks, and for the message. We pray that he'll continue to bless his ministry, bless his family. We pray that wherever he goes and he preaches your word, Lord, souls will come to know Jesus, whom to know is life eternal. So we thank you for his ministry here today. Thank you, dear Lord, for the powerful work of your spirit. Now bless us, we ask in Jesus' name we pray.